And most of us will, will, will only think what is true by what we see. Our perception can be deceptive. And so we'll, we'll think, wait a minute, that should not be working like that. So we're trying to piece it together because your brain is trying to function on behalf of what it's used to. That there's this thing called gravity and it's not supposed to roll up. That's not how it works. But that's the kind of world we live in. We live in a world that says one thing, but then there's truth somewhere else that says another thing. So what do we do with truth? How do we know what is truth? And, and how do we know what to live by? Because if there's not a standard to live by, and if everybody is true, and what, what everybody thinks is truth, whose truth is accurate? Science, left to itself, becomes very dangerous. Because science needs evidence. And because science needs evidence, when faith comes into the picture, it becomes problematic. So what we want to learn today is how we got to this point in our society where truth can only be truth if there's evidence to back it up. See, everything worked fine until we started coming up with questions and problems that science could not answer. And it took nearly 200 years, but eventually people started to realize that science and reason didn't eliminate the problems of poverty, crime, and hunger. After a while, we became discouraged with trying to figure out a better solution, and then we just decided there is no scientific solution behind problem-solving when it came to crime and hunger. We had to think of another way. Well, we know that science isn't the answer, and science isn't the source of truth. And of course, we've excluded God from so many things long ago, and so now where does that leave us? It leaves us with absolutely nothing. But of course, there are true statements that can be made about what we see around us. Like, I see a wall, I see a flag, I see a rock. We can understand those things because we see it in front of us. The law of gravity applies to certain things. We understand that. And so we live with that kind of truth. But once we've excluded God and reason, there's nothing left to provide ultimate truth. And the kind of truth that is true everywhere, no matter where you are. The kind of truth on which to base our moral decisions. Which leads us to a whatever world. If there are no absolute truths and if, if there is no basis for our moral decisions, then we'll live in a, well, whatever we want kind of world. Most people like to believe that there is some kind of basis for the decisions that they've made so we come up with our own standards. And instead of us going back to what is true and accurate, we base it on popular opinion or what we feel or what we believe or what we see. And we say, well, that must be true. Why? Because everybody's doing it. The world is like that, so might as well conform to the ways of the world. Might as well go with the flow. If not, you'll be excluded. And so we're a little bit off on, our, on the basis of truth. In reality, some people don't want to know the truth because then now we'll be accountable to live by it. And if we know truth, then now if we don't live by truth, people will say, well, why don't we live this way if this is true? Well, because I don't, I don't want that part of the truth. And so we'll pick and choose what we want truth as far as our life goes. But that's not truth in its wholeness. And I thought, even a golf club, 
has a standard for accuracy. Now, I have a golf glove. It makes me look better when I swing because my swing is not a swing. And now this golf club actually has a standard to it. Now, some of you golf, and you know on this golf, on the head of the golf club is an adjustment weight. Some you can slide like this picture that you can actually adjust the slider so that you can adjust the weight so that you don't have to adjust your swing. So if your swing is ugly like mine and, and you swing and the ball goes crooked, then you don't change your swing, you change the weight. You can keep the picture up there. You can change the weight on this club. This club has a weight, you adjust it. That one has a weight, so you adjust that slider and then it keeps your swing the same but changes the trajectory of the ball. So if you're a golfer and it keeps hitting the bushes and you don't want it to go in the bushes, you just adjust your club. Now you might be thinking, oh, that's cheat. Well, if you're as bad as I am, that's still hard to do. I have a hard time just hitting the thing. But what happens is if you're, if you're let's just say you're a slight degrees off at contact, just a little bit off on contact, then you're either going to slice or hook or it's going to go in the direction your degrees is off. And even though it's a little bit off, down the line, 150 yards, 200 yards down, it's going to be way off. I have this laser pointer that may help with this. Now, this laser pointer, if you can see it, it's right here on the wall. Yeah, this is what you use to play with your cats, I know. So you have this laser pointer. This laser pointer is accurate. It's straight. It's a straight line. So imagine if from the point of contact, you're one degree off. So I'm just going to turn this just a little bit, like maybe an inch. So watch it on the wall if everyone can see it. Hopefully everybody can. And just one inch. On the wall, it's a couple feet. Now, I'll point it to that wall. You guys can't see it, but you guys can, and then I'll, I'll do this. It's playtime. So that dot, I'm just going to go maybe half an inch. That was half an inch, which is about five feet on that side. And we'll, I'll go this side. I'll go, I'll go half an inch right here. So it's that much of a difference. So think about it this way. In our life, if we're one degree off of truth, guess how far we will be from truth 10 years down? If we're one degree off of truth in our personal life or in our marriage, guess how far we will be 10 years down? Something has to zero us back in on truth. It's kind of like if you want to lose weight and you're thinking, oh, all I got to do is change the dial. I can lose like 15 pounds. So you just change the dial, go negative 15, and then you stand on the, eh, I lost 15 pounds. Why? Because look, look what it says. That's what it says. I lost 15 pounds. It's the fastest weight loss program ever. But have you lost the weight? No, you have not. Why? Because the truth will show it. I'm not speaking of this. I'm just saying as a personal person, how I'm living will show it. So I can say I'm living by the truths of God, but... If I'm a degree off, it's going to show. And I might not even recognize I'm that far off until later on in life when I start making decisions. Some people, they can make a switch. And if you're 180 degrees off of God's truth, 
That's where repentance comes in. Repentance says you turn back to God 180 degrees and then you follow him. Why? Because we've been that far off. That's where salvation comes in. That's where I say to God, I, I, forgive me of my sins. I repent and I change of my ways and now I follow you. There needs to be something that zeroes us back in rather than what's happening in the world. Some can do a major turnaround but still have some things to work through because we're still far from the truth due to living far from it for a long time. So there may be habits or, or as we call seeds planted there that are springing up and now fruit is being uh, given from that seed and it's not good fruit. So it takes a while for us to get that out. Some can say, well, I'm done with this and now I follow God and that's fine. But sometimes it takes a lot longer due to certain habits, our sinful nature, our own personal desires. That's why Jesus constantly spoke and he said, truly, truly, I say unto you. Or the truth is. What Jesus was saying to the people is, you're a little bit off, but here's the truth. You've got to come back to the truth. People would question Jesus. He would always go back to what is truth. He would always go back to what God said, not what people said, not what public opinion was saying, but truly I say unto you. See, truth, when you can follow truth, then you will be able to find where God is. Because truth leads us to God. That's why Jesus could say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We learned a couple weeks ago that, that truth is a person. That when we can follow Christ, he leads us to God. We don't just come to God and we know everything about God. We come to know God and we won't ever get to know God in, its, in, in his fullness until we see him face to face. Or I don't even know if we get to know God in, in fullness because our infinite minds. But all I know is I don't, wear, I don't want to be where God was. I want to be where God is. I don't just want to follow his truths. I want to follow him. I don't want to just to know, I don't want to get to know God's truths only. I want to get to know God. See, there are past, past truths of God. That he said this in my life. He did this in my life. He's, he did that. And those are his past truths. He spoke into my life. But if I only live on that, then I can actually live separate from where God is because I'm only following his truths. His truths should lead to him rather than just his truths. Because if I only stay on the principles of his truths, I can stray off from that. I can justify. I can take one scripture here and use that in my life, take this other scripture and use it against each other and then make up my own. That's where religions come in. Various religions come in because they say, well, I don't want that part, but I want this part, and they make their own. But God says, no, you got to come to me. Be where I am. You see, past truths will lead us to God, but revelation is where God is. Revelation is what God is doing. His past truths may work as in my life that you saved me. But revelation is, this is where God is. You are my Lord. You're not just my Savior, which is a past truth. He saved me. And that's true. He saved me. But his revelation is where he is. Therefore, you're my Lord. What you're doing in my life today, I'm going to apply. Why? Because you're my Lord. How often I've heard people say, oh, yeah, I've been coming to church for 20 years. 
20 years, guarantee I go in heaven. Guarantee I go in heaven. I'm thinking, this building has been here longer than you. Doesn't mean this building is going to heaven. See, salvation is when I believe in Jesus Christ. That's my way to God. That's the, that's the only way to God because he's, paid, he's the one who paid the price for my sin. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is where God was. Revelation is where God is. Never be satisfied with past truths. Be, live with anticipation and chase after his present truth, which is his presence. His revelation. What is God doing in your life today? In your notes, you can take that out of your bulletins. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 12 and 13, Jesus speaks this. He says, sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Now, you want to circle that word endure or remember that or just write that down. There's a reason why Jesus says you must endure. And he's not speaking to those who don't know him. He's speaking to those who know him. He's not speaking to those who are not in this race that has been set before you. He he is speaking to those who are in the race that is set before you. Not those who are not a part of it. He wouldn't have to speak to those who are not in the race because it wouldn't make sense to them to endure a race they're not in. There's a reason why he says to endure. Jesus is not saying to us that life is going to be easy. Or he's he's actually saying to us, life is going to be difficult. That's why you need to endure. He's speaking to us. Now you might be thinking, well, why do I have to endure? Well, because there will be resistance, opposition, hardships, pain, suffering, when you adhere to truth. It's like a a stadium. You know, my my son got, uh, I think he's at the Seattle game right now, if you watch NFL. And he took a four-hour train ride from Oregon to be with one of his relatives without a ticket. Hoping that he could get a ticket. Thank God he did. Now he's in there. And I thought, you're going to watch a game, his first NFL game. The players on the field will have to endure so much more than him in the grandstands. The players on the field are going to hit more hardships than him cheering for them. The coach will tell the players that they're going to have to suck it up in the fourth quarter. They're going to have to give it all they got. He's not going to turn to those in the stands and say, okay, guys, you're going to have to suck it up. I know you're tired. I know you're weary. He doesn't have to say that. Why? Because they're not in the game. Jesus is speaking this scripture to us who are in the game. That he's saying to us, you're going to have to endure. There's going to be hardships. There's going to be trials. It's not going to be easy. It's a narrow road that you're on. 2 Timothy 2, uh, excuse me, 3, verses 12 through 14, it says, Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil people and imposters will flourish. And I'm thinking, that's so unfair. How can that be? Why are they going to flourish? I want to flourish too. And then he continues. He said, but you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true. Oh, did I skip? Oh, they will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true. For you know you can trust those who taught you. 
So what Jesus is saying is, yeah, they're going to be deceived on their own. You want to live a deceived life? You want to have a, a, a deceived perception? And I know we don't. So what happens? Jesus said, then you're going to have to go back to what is true. Because you can trust what has been taught to you that has been accurate from the truths of God. God's truths transcends time. It's the foundation on which we build our very own lives. It does not change. 2 Timothy 3, 15 and 16, it says, You have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood, and they have been given you, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All scripture, how many? All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and what makes and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. These are holy scriptures, he says. These aren't just man-made advice manuals that they put together in, in different books. God gave us his word so that we could come back to truth. So that when we're off and when we're, we're not accurate one degree down the road, he says, now you can zero back in. See, sometimes we'll live one degree off. And then because we're one degree off, everyone will say, well, it's only one degree off. You can tolerate that. Let's all zero in on that one degree. So everybody zeroes in on that one degree. Now zero on that one degree is still one degree off. And then someone says, but I like this kind of truth. I like this lifestyle. So they go one degree off of the zero degree that was one degree off before it was zeroed into one degree by itself. So now it's two degrees off of the actual truth of zero degrees centered. Catching it? Now you're one degree off of one degree, which equals two degrees. But now that one degree off, which is two degrees actually, now becomes zero because someone says, hey, everybody's doing it. So now we're two degrees off, but now it's zero degrees because someone just adjusted it to that two degrees off. And then you go three or four or five degrees, and then everybody, everybody says, it's five degrees off? Nah, it cannot be. Let's just make that zero. After a while, we're 180 degrees off. I know some of you are explaining to your loved one, don't worry, we'll, we'll catch up. We're that far off. And so we're 180 degrees, turned our backs on God, and now we say, let's do this, let's do that. These, these are the religions we want to do, and this is, this is how we want to do things. We even pass laws that says, let's zero back in. But we're zeroing back in, not on the truths of God. We're zeroing back in on our own set of standards. Can you see how far we are from the truth? That now we say it's only one degree, one degree, one degree. 20 years later, 30 years later, I just adjust the scale. And then when we all stand on the scale, oh, look, I lost weight. It's different. It's not different if it's not according to the truth of God. We can be that far off without even recognizing it because we've tolerated and just one degree at a time slowly became a society that drifted from the truth. Many times we're far from the truth and we don't even realize it. God says, I'm giving you my word because first, uh, 2 Timothy 4 verses 3 and 4, it says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. 
They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. In other words, even religions will say, let's just adjust. Let's change our ways so that we can suit everybody's needs. Let's all, even as clergy, even those who preach the Bible, let's change our ways so that everyone would be satisfied. That way everyone's equal. And God is saying, I never change. I never change. Neither has my word changed. And so it becomes difficult because we're adjusting according to humanity rather than the truths of God. See, we will all drift from his truth and his ways. Therefore, number one, you can write this in your notes, adjust back to the Lord's way. That's the best way to adjust. Adjust back to the Lord's way, not our own ways, not by someone's opinion, not by what other people say, not even by a certain religious group. You go back to the word of God, go back to his truth. Even when we speak what we speak here at New Hope Hila Hawaii, you go back to the word of God and you find it out for yourself. Because then you will own it. You go back to the word of God, the holy scriptures. It's not a man-made manual for advice. It's God's word. Adjust back to the Lord's way. And if you got to, just correct one degree at a time. Correct one degree at a time in your marriage or in your family, with your finances. Whatever you have to do, one degree at a time. It may have taken you 20 years to be 15 degrees off. So there are certain habits that we have that we need to adjust back to the Lord's way. The question is, is science and reason my source in making decisions? What is the reason and the source of my decision-making process? What, what is the source? What, what do I go back to to say, this is what I'm going to adjust back to? Do I just go back to what I feel? Or do I go back to what has been proven? that has stood the test of time. Adjust back to the Lord's ways. And even though most people have thrown out reason as a source of ultimate truth, some people still cling to it. Some people still use the five senses. They say, if I can't see it, taste, touch, hear, smell it, I don't believe it. That's why when you smell something, you're like, oh, that's horrible. Hey, dude, smell this. They're like, what? Oh, man, that's bad. Hey, smell this. It's like we don't believe until we actually can sense it. That's how we live. But God says there's going to come a time where people aren't going to want to hear sound doctrine. They're going to want their, just, just what, what tickles their ears. Just, just give me something that can help my life. And even if you have to bend the truth, that's what I want. Rather than saying, no, I'm going to stick close to the word of God and stay close to his truths. Matthew seven fourteen, Jesus says, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. You know why? Because it's not an easy road to walk on. It's a difficult road to walk on. It's narrow, just like that, like that laser pointer. It's a narrow beam of light. Easy to stray off. But he says, if you're ever going to adjust, adjust back to my ways. See, truth does not change to accommodate those who want to sin. If I want to sin, I can't look in the Bible and say, okay, where, where can I find truth that says I can get away with this? Where can I find it? Oh, in the Old Testament, it says that I can have multiple wives. Oh, I can have multiple wives. Oh, they were sinning too. Okay, let me find something else that says that I can steal. Oh, this person stole. Okay, so I'm going to use that. No, you're taking it out of its context, and people will do that. It's like me speaking to this rock. 
And this rock, I would say, you know, uh, this is what I want to do. I want to steal. So I'm asking you to change so that I'm comfortable with stealing. I can speak to this rock all day, but it will not change. I can even say, but I deserve this. I deserve more. I deserve a better life. I deserve to be happy. So can you change so that I can be happy? I can speak to it all I want. I can give it all the reasons, but it will not change. And this rock would represent God himself and the truths of God. I can speak as much as I want to to God, justify, change laws. I can do whatever I want, but it doesn't change God. God says, I am that I am. In other words, he's saying, and not in a bad way, in a truthful way, take it or leave it. That's what he's saying. In a loving way, he's saying that. He's saying, this is who I am, and I'm glad God doesn't change. I'm glad he doesn't. You know why? Because we change. And if we change and God doesn't, we can always zero back in on what is true and accurate. That when we change back to God's ways, oh, he fills us with his love and correction and discipline in a loving way. He doesn't condemn us. He slowly ushers us back on course. And he says, for I know the plans that I have for you. It's for good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. And he, he brings us and embraces us back in. He says, yes, it's narrow. And yes, there are very few who find it. And yes, it's hard on this road that leads to life. But listen, it leads to life. That's the point that Jesus was making. He wasn't saying, it's going to be difficult and that's it. Sorry, you're done. He's saying, but it leads to life. That's the hope we have in Christ, that it leads to life. Always adjust back. Don't, don't conform yourself to human desire because truth does not conform itself to human desire, convenience, or political correctness. It, it, it never changes. Adjust back to the ways of the Lord. The second thing is this. Just like how this golf club is able to adjust the weight, adjust the weight of my thoughts. Because then when I think and the process that I go through, it'll be accurate when I adjust it back to the Word of God. Adjust the weight of my thoughts. So on, on contact of making a decision, it's not one degree off. Many of us make decisions based on one degree off. And it's not that bad. Right now, it's not that bad. Nobody's getting hurt. It's fine. It doesn't hurt you. Well, then it should be fine with me. If, if this doesn't hurt you, then it should be fine with you. And so we're one degree off, but that's where it's wrong. Because it's the initial point of contact that will determine hundreds of yards down where the ball will end up. It's the initial point of our decision-making process that if we're one degree off, that five, ten years down the line, we're going to say, boy, was I way off. God says, you've got to adjust back to, to, to what I do, what I say, and my word, not public opinion, not what other people are saying to you. Do you live by public opinion? Do you live by, by what others are saying? And you don't have to look too far. You can just look in the media, and you can already tell that society says... Public opinion is what you should live by. You can watch all the advertisement and all the, all the slogans that are given that they're saying this is, a, this is a great way to live and this is a great way to base your moral decision-making process. Otherwise, why would our advertisers say certain things? They're trying to, 
they're actually trying to shift the way we think so that we buy their product or we buy into their vision. And some of us buy into it. Now, not in a very bad way, but for instance, we kind of know some of these, and I wanna, I'm going to give some slogans, and I want you to just yell out what you think it is, okay? What company this is. Finger licking good. Kentucky Fried Chicken. Save money, live better. Walmart. Just do it. Nike, have it your way. Burger King. This one is newer, so hopefully we, we get it. Impossible is nothing. Adidas. That one is more recent. The younger people might get this. Live in your world, play in ours. PlayStation. Yes. <laughs> the happiest place on earth. Disneyland. When you care enough to send the very best. Hallmark, I'm loving it. <laughs> kind of off my tune, just like, ah, I don't know. It's at Verna's. Uh, McDonald's. Melts in your mouth, not in your hands. M&M's. All these, uh, we're all hungry now. All of these ads appeal to our liking. That they, they say these things over and over so that you buy into their product. That's what advertisers do. And they spend millions of dollars just on their slogans so that we can buy into what they're doing. And all these ads appeal to the idea that everybody's doing it. Everybody's getting it. Everybody wants one. Everybody must have it. That's their, that's their, that's their chant, their mantra over and over again. And so we buy into that mentality. But if we're not careful we will begin to live by public opinion or we're scared because someone is going to call you a hater because you stand for what is true. And so we say, no, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to get involved. I don't want to stand for what is true because then I'll be labeled. You're going to be labeled either way. We just live in that kind of society. Are you for? Are you against? Are you a yes? Are you a no? Are you with us? Are you not? Are you for the family or are you not for the family? Are you on my side or are you on their side? You're going to get that all the time. And Jesus says, what are you going to live by? Correct one degree at a time. You may even say, but I'm angry at God. Well, correct one degree at a time. I don't want God in my life. Correct one degree at a time. I don't believe God anymore. Correct one degree at a time. Well, I don't understand the things of God, so I don't trust anybody. I don't trust my spouse who says she's a Christian or he's a Christian. I don't trust my, my family. I don't trust anybody. Oh, just correct one degree at a time. And here's the truth, because we're correcting back to truth. We live in an evil and fallen world. That is accurate. That's what God's word says. We live in an, in a, in an evil world, a crooked and perverse generation. That's why he says, you've got to be pillars of truth. Somebody has to stand on truth. Otherwise, how will people find their way back to zero in? Somebody has to stand for truth. Yeah, but what if people say evil things about me? What do you mean, what if? They will. Jesus said they will. But he says, you're a blessed person if they do. Why? Because on account of me, you're standing for truth. 2 Corinthians 1.17, it says, You may be asking, and this is Paul the Apostle who planted churches. He's speaking. He says, You may be asking why I changed my plan. Do you think I make my plans carelessly? Do you think I am like people of the world who says yes when they really mean no? 
See, Paul didn't live by popular opinion. He lived according to the truths of God. He didn't make decisions carelessly. He, his thought life was directed by truth. He wasn't careless in the way he thought or planned. He was very careful. And he always adjusted the weight of his thoughts back to the truths of God so that he wasn't a, how the world will say yes when they actually mean no. Or they're saying, yeah, I'm a no, but they're actually a yes. He's saying there are going to be people that live like this in the world, but may it be not so with you. That you didn't be careless with your thoughts. You just one degree at a time make those adjustments. And then the last thing, this one is where we're really challenged, to adjust the weight of my faith. Just one degree, the weight of my faith. What guides my life? Does faith guide your life? Does your faith in God guide your life? Or is it feeling? What I feel, that's what I'm going to follow. What other people say, that's what I'm going to follow. What other, what other people feel, that's what I'm going to follow. What if the group you're hanging around with, they feel one way, and then the next day they change their minds? Where does that leave you? Oh, what if one day you feel like this, and then later on you don't feel like that? Where does that leave you or your loved ones? If we base our life on feeling, we all know that feelings change. But God's truth never changes. Emotions are perhaps the most popular basis for making choices today. After all, who can argue with someone telling you or who can argue with you if you say, but that's how I felt. That's what I felt like doing. No one can argue that. And if feelings are a good standard for decision making, then you'll never need to have or come up with a better defense than I did it because I felt like it. See, it doesn't take a lot of what-ifs, a lot of what-if scenarios to realize that there are major problems with all these approaches to decision-making when it comes to my feelings. What if the feelings that you follow lead you to an action that your consequences cannot handle? What if the feelings that you feel later on you find out it was wrong? What do you do then? See, I think we've gotten ourselves into kind of like a whatever-I-want-to-do mess. Or however I feel, I'm going to make a decision mess. We just go based on what we feel rather than our faith. And it's getting harder and harder to live by our feelings. And God says, because you're not supposed to live by your feelings. You're supposed to live by faith. See, we understand our senses Sight, taste, touch, hearing, smell. We live by these senses. Faith is a nonsense. That's why people say, faith, nonsense. You're right. What? Yep, you're correct. Faith is nonsense? Yes, it is. But you live by faith? Yes, I do. But it's a nonsense. Yes, it is. Because you don't, you don't feel when you operate on faith. You trust in God's truth. Your feelings catch up later. And those are better feelings when you follow God's truth than the feelings you would start off with feeling good about yourself without God's truth. Because the end result, feelings aren't good. But you start with God's truth. In the beginning, 
in the beginning, feelings may not be there. But in the end, they catch up. And then at that time, you can see, wow, I was, I was way off. And God corrected me. And it may have been one degree at a time, but I got it. You may even say to yourself, you know, Lord, I, I've seen you in many areas of my life, but I don't see you now. Where are you right now? How come you're silent? Maybe I just need to speak to myself and say, be patient so that God can show me the bigger picture in time of what is not happening right now. I would say this, never mistake God's silence for his absence. Just because he's silent doesn't mean he's absent. Psalms 42, 5 through 8, the psalmist was speaking to himself when he was discouraged. He said, why am I, so, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? Now watch this one degree click. Why am I so sad? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. That was that correction. That was his faith being adjusted. Now I am deeply discouraged. He's off one degree, but he corrects it. But I will remember you. Corrects it. Even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mizar. I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me and through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. See, the psalmist is saying, I'm, here, here I am, I'm discouraged, here's what I feel, this is where I'm, I'm off. But then he corrects back to God's word, what God says. He's operating on faith, not feelings, and he's saying, God, I'm going to correct based on what your word says. And so he remembers that the Lord is the source of truth, not his feelings. Therefore, he can operate on faith. See, God wants to bless us, but we must want how he blesses. And he blesses us with truth. If we look at it this way, God says, here I am with, your, with who I'm blessing you with. This is me and this is you. And I want to bless you. just so that we can, you know, speak to the women too. Okay. So God says, I want to bless you. So God says, I love you. So he blesses us with his love. And how God does that is up to him. And then he says, I want to bless you with peace. And so we all want God's blessing on peace. And then God says, well, I, I, want, I want to give you, I want to give you, life so he blesses us with life in the way god does just this past season we were dealing with the same-sex marriage and all of that and and uh, by the way what i'm about to say i'm going to say it to our entire church because some of you are wondering so where do we go now because the law has passed and it's the law of the land people can obtain marriage license as of december 2nd we're still battling as churches because the churches are not fully exempted. No matter what the media says or what the governor said, we're not exempted. So we're still battling that. Uh, there are certain things that we still need to um, be aware of for our protection uh, because not all churches are exempt. Very few are exempt. And there are usually churches that don't uh, have certain criteria or have certain criteria in the bill, which is what we were fighting. We were never against uh, 
people, we were always against what was in the bill, you know, what was, what was being stated. So because of that, and God says, I want to bless you even in marriage. He says, this is what I want to do. I love you enough to bless you. In the book of Genesis, God says, I created you male and female, and for this reason, a man leaves his uh, household and is united with his wife. So God made them male and female, and then God blessed them. I think that's the part that everyone missed. That God says, I want to bless you in your marriage, but I cannot go against my word. So because I said, I'm going to bless you male and female, that's where God's blessing comes in. And people will say, but if we pass this law, then God can bless us. He can't go against his word. You can speak as much as you want to the rock. It will not change. And God says, I want to bless you. I want to bless your life, but I can't in the way you want marriage to be in your world because I can't go against my word. Now, let me just say this. Do we accept people? Absolutely. Have I sinned? Absolutely. Have you sinned? Absolutely. So we'll always come back to what God is saying, not what we're saying. And you know what God says? God says you are to love people. You love me and you love people. But what the world has actually done is he divided us. Or not he, but the world, the ways of the world. And what the world did is divide people, families, our own culture. It divided churches and people of, of uh, close friendships. And I thought, wait a minute. Yes, I understand that your word does divide us because either I'm going to stand for God or I'm not. But also at the same time, there is an enemy. There is the adversary, the devil himself, Satan. Now here's where we go back to God's word. Even though this law has passed, it does not mean we now start separating people. And I would say for those of you who understand God's ways, even though people will be married in our state that have the same, that are same sex, it does not mean you treat them any different than you would anybody else. Why? Because I too fall short of the glory of God. You too fall short of the glory of God. We all do. And so we continue to love people. Let God deal with our sin. I can't deal with yours. You can't deal with mine. You can't forgive mine. I can't forgive yours. But I pray, this is what I pray. I pray, and even in the Bible it says, Jesus, come back soon. I pray that we'll do our very best to reach out to people who do not know Jesus Christ. That we stay strong on our assignment. That we say to the Lord, Lord, this is the world we live in. You said this would happen. We trust in you. We love you. We love people. And we continue to follow you. 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 10, it says, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. Continue to adjust, correct, steer back to the truths of God, because that's where the blessings come in. As James 1.12 says, God blesses those who patiently endure, there's that word again, endure, 
testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. That's the God we serve. So we continue to love him. We continue to love people. We adjust back to his ways. We adjust the way we think, the weight of the balance of the, our thought process. And then our faith that we adjust back to him, chase after him. We adjust our faith, not our feelings. Our feelings will catch up when our faith is in line with God and we trust in him. I'm glad he never changes. I'm glad he gives us the option to choose truth. Because when you know the truth, the truth shall set you free. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads with me and we'll pray. Heavenly Father, as we, as we conclude this morning, we know that, that your truth never changes. You never change. It's actually us who change. But we want to be people who, who follow your word, your truth, because it leads to life. We don't want to just take the principles. We want to know you. We want to be where you are, where revelation is, and what you're doing. I pray for anyone here this morning, Lord, they may not know you. Maybe they're searching for you. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, boy, I didn't know where I stood with God. I'm here to let you know that God loves you unconditionally. He accepts you exactly where you are. And he says, I love you so much that I will help you to correct back and zero in on my truths. The first thing he's going to start with is your very own life, your eternal destiny with him. And he says, if you want eternal life, if you want to be with me forever in heaven, then all it is is a simple prayer in receiving me as your Lord and Savior. And if any of you are saying, I want that, I want to give my heart to Jesus Christ, could you just lift a hand real boldly? And you're saying, I want to give my heart to Christ today. Good. Anybody else? You're saying, I want Jesus. Good. Good. God sees your hand back there. God bless you right there. Right there. Good. God sees you back there. God sees your hands. Good. Many of you this morning, God sees it. He sees your hand. He knows your heart. He, he sees everything. He's been there. He's been with you every step of the way. He'll walk towards you every step of the way. He only asks for this one step to him. And here's the step. You can put your hands down. It's this prayer. We can all pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins and washing me, making me brand new. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for me. You have a plan for me. It's a better plan than the plan that I have. I trust you. And so I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.